we live? Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show, everybody. Today is Friday, August 3rd, 2018. My name is Jonathan. I'll be your host for today. And joining me in our virtual studio from all over the planet, we have Erica, Tiffany, and Doug. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi. Hi. So we're, uh, we're missing Elliot today. He's working hard on some stuff, so keep working, Elliot. And uh, Gabby, I think, is jet-setting around the planet somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so today we have a very interesting uh, topic, uh, talking about racism. We're wondering if talking about racism is racist. So granted, this is the health and wellness show. So if you want to stretch, I guess when we, whenever we stretch our topics, we always kind of say, well, it has to do with mental health. So that's good enough. But uh, I don't know how... <laughs> well, there is a biological base for race. That's true. We could hit that angle. That's true. We could hit that. Even though a lot of people yep. say that race is simply a social construct, which is not... <laughs> True. Yeah, and that's kind of some of the stuff that we wanted to talk about today. So, you know, uh, there's a, obviously everybody's aware. Um, talk about white privilege, police shootings, <laughs> Black Lives Matter, diversity, inclusion, you know, everything. All this, like the, the buzzwords right now. I just saw an article the other day about how I want to say it was Maryland that they were trying to uh, diversify and, you know, they talking about um, equal opportunity for employment and stuff like that, when they realized that the state itself is 90% white. Oh, is so that New Hampshire? I think it was New Hampshire, Hampshire yeah, you're so talking they, like, about. They, they can't diversify it unless they move more people in, you know, so it's an interesting conundrum where it's like, okay, well, is the state, you know, is New Hampshire somehow inherently racist? Well, there are probably quite a few people in New Hampshire that are racist, but that's all over the country, you know, and all over mm -hmm. the world and all different races. And that's kind of thing. one of the things that I wanted to talk about today too, to tie this in is that this connection between white and racism, it's so, <laughs> it's so tense. Uh, it, it's everybody, it's all racist, you know, and they're all racist in some way or another. And it's like an aspect of how we are different. So I think that's kind of what we want to delve into. But Doug, you were trying to say something. Sorry, I well, cut you off. I was just gonna say because that New Hampshire thing bothered me because I was kind of like just thinking, you know, is there anything inherently wrong with the state being ninety whatever percent white? Ninety-four like percent. Kind of like, okay, ninety-four percent. I mean, go. it's probably really like, boring. Why? Why? That's racist. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that assumes that white people are boring. It does. I don't know. Or, or I mean, I guess that that my my point just is like, who cares? Like it really, it, it, it kind of like, in, it, it says that there is like something kind of inherently wrong with the state because it's all white people. And yeah. I, I just kind of, I don't, it, that, doesn't, it, that doesn't follow for me. I don't see why, you know, this is a problem that needs to be fixed. Oh my God, it's 94% white. We got to do something. Their mm -hmm. white levels are off the chart. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they said Vermont and Maine are similar as well. Yeah, yeah so is Aspen, Colorado. And, you know, <laughs> like... It's Orange Montana, County, California. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so these are. Uh, this is what happens when when years and years ago, uh, you know, the white people enslaved many, many, many millions of black people, and that did happen. But we are not those white people, right? Why? So mm -hmm. we. So I'm white, sure. So this is this is going to leak out because that happens. <gasps> like. <what? laughs> 
and it's so weird. This is what's weird to talk and think about racism because uh, it came up with a friend the other day talking about finding your unconscious biases, you know, which I think is, uh, I'm, I, I think you need a lot more study to actually understand what that phrase means. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, because they bring it up in these schools and they're sit down and like, okay, now you are racist and it's your job to figure out how. You got to dig deep and figure out what's going on there. Uh, to give it context, I think in the sense that like, if you're working on yourself and you're trying to improve yourself, you say, sure, I have some things in my subconscious that I probably don't know about that are going to come out. You know, maybe I'm bothered by this person or that person, irregardless of race. I just, I have things that might be kind of ugly or whatever that have been programmed into me or I've developed. So <clears throat> that kind of self-work is like finding what you have your unconscious motivations, I think is really beneficial. But this is completely twisted and it's like surface and there's no actual like study behind it. Um, yeah. And when that came up, I was like, I, I did that. I've done that already. I looked, I looked deep. And yeah, I do have some what I refer to personally as uh, casual racism programmed into me from where I lived from people that were in my life, things like that. But I never, never, never embrace it. And I never use it, you know, or like, say, you know, say anything about it or like judge anyone based on their race or, or malign anyone. So that's when that's that was my argument was kind of like, Hey, back off a little bit. I've done this already, you know. That is such baloney because people have unconscious biases in a lot of areas, not just yeah. about race. Right. It's basically like things that you don't have much experience in and that you're unfamiliar with. You might not know how to behave or what to think about it. So it comes across as an unconscious bias, but it's not criminal, for yeah. God's right. sakes. No, it's not criminal. No. I think one of the issues with it actually is, is labeling it as racism. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's unconscious racism. I don't know that you can necessarily say that that's the case because I mean, racism is like fairly well defined, I think, as, as actually having feelings of superiority for one's own race. Or I guess, you know, it, it could apply to any race. If you're, um, you know, a white person with a inferiority complex, maybe you feel that, that uh, the black race is superior. Or something along those lines, but it's like it's it's fairly well defined as being somebody who ha actually holds these views like consciously. So the idea that that somebody's kind of, you know, psychological inborn biases could be actually interpreted as racism, I kind of find that uh, a bit problematic <coughs> because I mean you know it, especially in this day and age where it seems like anytime anyone points out differences between races or points out a feature. Of, of a race, even if it isn't like something that's, you know, a stereotype, that is inherently labeled as racist. Yeah. You know, to just say yeah. that, you know, black people have darker skin than white people. In some contexts, some people might be like, you know, that's racist. It's like, no. Oh, yeah, sure. It's just pointing out something that's ra a rather obvious difference. Right. I also wonder if it's like just general ignorance. You know, just not knowing, especially if you're living in a state where you're not exposed to. Like New Hampshire? <laughs> <laughs> well, or to Utah? That point, one, of our, one of our chatters pointed out, uh, Harrison said, you know, to that point, Japan is 98.5% Japanese. China is 94% yeah. Han Chinese, you know. We need, we and we in need China, I, yeah. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, in, this is different now, but it just came up in my head that in China, you, you can't get Chinese citizenship unless you're born there. Mm -hmm. So you can't racist. like move in and get it. So yeah, super racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
But it would be no stretch to think that Chinese or Japanese wouldn't be familiar with other races since they live in a place that's totally homogenous, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a very big difference. I think this is what you're saying, Tiff, is that there's a big difference between people not being familiar with another race Mm -hmm. and, you know, saying something that, you know, might be... um, perceived as insensitive by people who are well by snowflakes essentially um and it's obviously not in many cases coming from a a place of like hate or feelings of superiority i mean it might be but um i think you know the, the presumption to label it as racist is is assuming that someone is coming from that position and it's kind of like you know all the stuff that you see on twitter where people are like anytime anybody says anything that's against the kind of progressive sjw uh, narrative they're labeled as racist which is just ridiculous like i mean it's just it's it's the boy who cried wolf you know if you're pointing a finger and calling everybody racist who like clearly is not like the, the most recent example i have is william shatner who was just expressing his discontent over the fact that they uh, renamed that uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder book award um, because they said her her early writings were racist, and he was just expressing his discontent over that because they're you know Little House on the Prairie is a classic blah 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 blah, and of course yeah. it didn't take long before Twitter mobs were calling him a racist and telling him to stay in his own lane and all this <laughs> other kind of demeaning stuff as if you know no you know you're a white person you don't have the right to comment on this so yeah that was a bit of a ramble and i forget what my point was but anyway <laughs> it's easy to ramble i think it just makes people so uncomfortable to talk about because in general bear with me for a second in in general people are they, they lean towards compassion i think i mean in in general um, there's a lot of stupid people, a lot of mean people, psychopaths, et cetera, et cetera. But I think on the whole, you walk up to a person, you're kind and respectful, they'll do the same back to you. Mm-hmm. So when people accuse you of racism, they throw that around. What they're implying is that you hate, you know, and if you know yourself and you know that you don't hate anyone, you're like, whoa. But then bringing it up causes this conflict where you are now perceived as defending your hate. Because in their eyes, yeah. you mm-hmm. still have it, even though you say, I don't have it. Now you're defending it, and now you feel super uncomfortable because you think, man, like I don't, I'm not defending it. I'm not, tr- you know, can we just have a conversation? It gets really, really tense, and uh, yeah. I think that's where we just need to like just relax and, you know. Well, I think that a lot of the hypersensitivity around discussion of race actually comes from that. It's like it's mm. not that anybody's like you know everybody probably has a pretty good idea whether or not they are a racist, you know. And like you're saying, Jonathan, I think in this day and age in particular, like in the West, I think that most people are probably not racist, but there's a hypersensitivity around it because being labeled as a racist is like, it's really, it's like, it's a smearing essentially. Like you can't really very easily recover from that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how many people out there think that uh, Jordan Peterson is alt-right, you know? Yeah, most you know, white superior, uh, supremacist. That's what I was looking for. <clears throat> yeah. Like it's because like these smears, they, they have a way of sticking and it's yeah. like, it, it's it's kind of like the me too thing as well. Like, it's just like no evidence. I can just call you a racist and then it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even if yeah. racism still exists, which it does, there are people who are racist. So what? Get over it. Sure. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Sure. 
I mean, there's always going to be people who prefer their own kind, to use quotation, air quotations, over yeah. other people. And yeah. Maybe that's some kind of evolutionary thing. Like maybe back in the caveman days, if you uh, saw a group that looked different from you, you'd be kind of hesitant to interact with them. Maybe yeah. it was some kind of survival instinct. Like um, if you saw somebody that looked like you, you would know what to expect. You would know that you shared maybe the same behaviors or the same beliefs and you engage in the same cultural practices. But then when you met somebody who was outside of your group, you're kind of like, who is this person? How do I, what, what am I supposed yeah. to do? You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, not to mention the fact that you don't know. I mean, maybe this person's going to like, you know, kill me and steal my shit. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Like it, there is certainly a survival mechanism, probably quite well ingrained mm. yeah i remember when i moved to the city first because i grew up in a rural area too and which is like where i live now but i was in you know metro for a while and when i moved there uh it was like scary you know there were a couple times i'd be walking down an alley and a big guy would be walking towards me i'm like gosh don't walk down know, alleys you know? john <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. alone uh, it's an example <laughs> you know uh but i i clearly remember thinking about this because i i you know i thought about my perceptions a lot and where I came from and where I was at that time. And in, in retrospect now, it didn't matter what race that person was. I was in a situation where I was scared and there was somebody big or threatening or unknown, you know? So mm -hmm. uh, it's not like I was walking like, oh my God, a black person's going to mug me, you know? That mm -hmm. sincerely wasn't going through my head. So that, um, I, I've run into other people too. Like you said, uh, to loop back to what you had said about there are racists. Um, I think part of the reason the unconscious biases thing, the way that they're approaching it is, is invalid, uh, is because of the racists that I know, aside from, sure, there's some sneaky, like, you know, malicious people that are out there that don't broadcast themselves, but the ones that I know, they say it. They're, like, actually proud of it. <laughs> and, I, you know, so don't get me wrong, they're not necessarily good friends, but it's, uh, you know, they're family, they're acquaintances and things like that, and they do not mince words. And so, and if you, <clears throat> if you're going to challenge them on it in that moment, you're going to get into a fight. So you're just like, all right, man, you know, I'll mm. whenever, <laughs> like, uh, they're just hateful people in general, or maybe even not so hateful, but just like, just closed. I, here's where I, I heard it put a good way, uh, listening to Theo Vaughn, the comedian, he was talking about this and he, he grew up in the South. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, he talks about white privilege and like basically the idea that like, can I, can I get some of that? Because where he grew up, he was in parallel with people, you know, of all races at the social class that they were in and they were all poor. Mm -hmm. um, and so pointing out that, uh, that the racial differences that he came out of that space in the South and started hearing all of these, not started, but over the course of his life began hearing, you know, things in, in progressive culture where he lives in Los Angeles now, which is extremely, you know, quote unquote progressive. And so he's referring back to his childhood and realizing, hey, we were just all poor and on the same level, you know. And yeah, there was racism, but uh, it was, um, it's like, like you said, it's it's the get over it kind, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, so if somebody's going to lynch a person based on their race, and I'm just going to speak frankly here, that person should be put in jail at the very least for murder. Mm -hmm. And that's it, right? Full stop. Don't we stop talking about it at that point? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know, like, I, um because 
it's like this guy recently in Chicago, that, and I mentioned this on the show before, who was got two felony counts of hate crime for screaming at a woman who was wearing a Puerto Rico T-shirt, and he was like, you know, get out of my country. So <laughs> he's he's an idiot. We that guy's dumb. We can all see that because Puerto Rico is a territory of the United States, and uh, if he had any, you know, a couple of crayons in the box, he would have realized that. But he should have been so he was threatening this woman and he was like maybe not like i'm gonna kill you but he was advancing on her you know and the cops came in they took him to jail well he got two felony hate crime charges for what he said not for being Mm -hmm. a threat and i think he should have been put you know charged with being a threat to a woman Mm -hmm. um and that that like now that sets a really interesting precedent can you get into my you know, what I say on social media, can you find something that could be interpreted as racism? Now, can I get a felony because of that? That's huge. Yeah, that whole idea of terroristic threatening is a new thing that's happening (laughs) in courts. Well, hate crimes are relatively new, aren't they? Yeah. I guess. I I don't get that. It's just crimes perpetrated by people who are jerks. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 really the whole hate crime thing is is really contentious too because mm-hmm. it's like it it kind of it assumes that you are able to determine what a person's motivation for their crime was. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm sure in some situations it might be obvious, but it's kind of like if two guys got in a fight and one of them was black and one of them was white, it's like it could be labeled as a hate crime, you know, because. You know, this this person could be deemed. Oh well, you were obviously attacking this person because they were black, or vice versa. You were attacking this person because they were white. But you know, it might just be that they pissed each other off for some reason, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I mean, you can't say that it was necessarily a hate crime. It's the same thing. Like yeah, who is being hateful in that culture. situation? The winner? Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the same kind of thing with like you know a uh, uh, an altercation between a straight and a gay person. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, that could be construed as a, as a hate crime because, you know, well, just because. But, I mean, there's, no, it, it, there's nothing necessarily saying that it was. Like, you, can't, you cannot um, dig into this person's skull and say, ah, yes, we can see right here. You, uh, you had hateful motivations. You did this because you hate homosexuals. It's like, no. In most cases, you probably won't be able to do that. So the whole hate crime thing is really, it's, it's really tricky territory. Yeah. Yeah. So could domestic violence be considered a hate crime? You kind of hate now. the person that you're beating now. up. <laughs> it could be now. So we're losing, yeah. I, I, <clears throat> I feel like one overarching point of this is as a society, we're losing track of what's actually bad. Mm-hmm. That's how it feels. Yeah. Or it's like yeah, because there are truly pathological people in the population. But you can't necessarily say, oh, they're evil because they're racist. They're evil because they're evil. <laughs> they're evil people. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of like an overzealousness on the part uh-huh. of people to label somebody as being inherently evil. And it's kind of like, you know, the, the, the label of racist is kind of so bad at this point that if you label somebody as racist, it's like, you know, you are completely discounting them. They have they, they, they have nothing to say. Their opinions on everything is completely invalid. So mm-hmm. it's like it's it seems like it's it, people are like I was saying people are playing pretty fast and loose with this whole racist label. I think. Uh-huh. Well, I don't mind a, a bit of racism. <laughs> I'd rather have it out <laughs> in the open than hidden. Just a just a pinch. 
Yeah, but uh, one point that I wanted to make is like uh, people think that whites have a monopoly on racism and that is really not the case like people will say well it's not racist if you don't have the power to enforce certain things like i don't think the average white person has all the power to enforce like say you want to buy a house in a certain neighborhood you could say that oh the loan officer denied me because i'm black or this person didn't give me a job because I'm black. But the average person who might call you a nigger or something when you're walking down the street, I mean, he has no power over you. Mm. But other races can be racist. Mm. And to say that they can't be is complete baloney. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Maybe somebody can uh, speak to this in the chat because I'm not well familiar but i'm vaguely familiar with the fact that there's a lot of racism in the east that the, the, a lot of japanese people are very racist towards chinese and vice versa koreans mm-hmm. you know, and I, I don't know that in White detail people. that's why i'm giving that caveat but um yeah that it's pretty virulent and i <clears throat> i know even within south american cultures there's a lot of racism there's a mm-hmm. ton of racism in france holy cow when i was there for school i mean all the subcultures back and forth the basque and the spanish and everybody like yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it comes back to those differences that are just not understood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and again, here's so I'm casually throwing out the word racism, but to our topic, maybe that should be defined differently. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. this is what I, there's something that I was trying to remember to say earlier that that Theo Vaughn had brought up in conjunction with that point was that when you're brought up in a home and let's say that you grow up in an area like where I did where I grew up I knew one uh, black kid when I was a a young boy who was my friend Uh, his name is Jeremy and we played tennis and stuff we'd like go run around town you know we were tiny we were like six Um, but there were not this is like very very predominantly white area Um, and so a person like that you grow up and now this didn't happen to me, but it does happen to other people where they have a tradition, quote unquote, in their family and they see outsiders as, you know, the other. And so black people, Chinese people, Hispanic people are all outsiders to them. Now, they don't have any point of reference. They don't have any people like that in their community to get different information from. And they obviously their their parents love them. Even a racist parent loves their child mostly. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, unless they're a psychopath or something like that. But so when they show that parental love towards their child, even in their screwed up kind of thinking pattern, their child now sees, okay, my parent loves me and they teach me that these people are dangerous. And that's embedded when you're a kid and you grow up and you can't shake that easily. Um, Like I said, I'm grateful for not having had that experience. I didn't have to shake that, but a lot of people do. Um, I, I guess I say they do have to shake that, but that's not even entirely true. What I'm saying is just, I think people should understand that that's where that comes from. And that a lot of times you're not even going to get an in to that discussion. Like as an example, and obviously I'm not going to say their name, but a person that I know who is a very outspoken uh, racist, you're never, ever going to change their mind, ever. Mm -hmm. You know, no matter what I say, no matter what kind of reason, arguments we have over coffee, all of that. Um, So, you know, it's just like, is what it is. But he's also now, he's not going to go out and harm anybody. You know, mm-hmm. he's not going to throw bananas at somebody's car or that kind of thing or whatever. He's not going to do any of that. He talks a bunch of shit. Pardon my French, you know. <clears throat> so. 
Well, yeah. I looked I up a uh, definition. Uh, oh, sorry, okay. Jonathan, did I cut you off? No, no, go ahead. I looked up a definition of racism, and it says prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. And there's a second one, the belief that all members of each race, race possess characteristics, abilities, or qualities specific to that race, especially as so, so as to distinguish it as inferior or superior to another race or races. Mm -hmm. So there's yeah. nothing about power in that definition. And mm -hmm. one thing yeah. we were touching on before is the whole, the whole, it seems like this, the, the, um, for like the, the radical left basically has redefined racism, you know, where it has to have this power element. And it's kind of like, that wasn't an original, like, you know, racism was very simple before it's discriminating against uh, somebody based on race, their race, essentially. And the, the, belief that one's race or one race in particular is superior and it's kind of like there was nothing in there about the the person holding the racist views has to have power uh over the person being discriminated against but yeah. that's kind of been injected and that's kind mm -hmm. of where this whole thing is coming from where uh all white people are inherently racist and for anybody who's not white to say something against white people is not racist because they're yeah. the minority and they don't have any power. It's like, it's, it's a complete like change of the language. It's like they're, they're redefining that term entirely to suit their own needs. Yeah. And what, um, to that point about that racism based on, on power, uh, one of our chatters made an interesting point here. Tree Sparrow said, uh, you know, the West bombing dark skinned peoples in third world countries in the name of democracy. Like, sure. The, when I read that, the phrase that went through my head was what is the one country in the Middle East that the West doesn't bomb mm -hmm. is the white country. Yeah. So, you know, there is uh, there is an element to that. Um, no, well, granted, didn't no, the West uh, the joint totally obliterate Serbia? They're not dark-skinned people. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so it's like, you know, but that, that, that kind of power, that's I guess that's what I think of when I think of power or the ability mm -hmm. to uh, deny someone's home or their right to safety those kinds of things are power, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, yeah, if they're, if somebody's using that power based on race, um, they're a bad person. Yeah. And they should be considered a bad person. But nothing, but that's where it stops, I think. <laughs> I mean, all the consequences of being a bad person come from that, but you don't need to define it more than that, I think, in, unless you're a psychologist and you feel like studying it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what it, does is it kind of institutes a double standard i mean maybe that's kind of obvious but it just seems like i mean one of our chatters just said um uh Thorbjorn said true about racism not being a sole white issue in a multi-ethnic school one may sense that there is a variety of opinions occasionally expressed which would go well beyond what would be tolerated had it been expressed by a white child mm -hmm. and i think that sure. we see that in in uh in society right now i keep going back to twitter but uh it seems like you know if there's there's something there's a controversy right now about this uh new york times editor who is uh an asian woman um i forget <laughs> her name but uh and she is just tweeting out or has been i think i think it was actually quite a while ago like a number of years ago it yeah, seems like sarah that's sarah young right is her name uh, there you go 
And it was. It, it seems like there's a thing right now where people are going through people's Twitter archives so they can pull out any little thing that uh, <laughs> that is, yeah. uh, you know, deemed unacceptable. But anyway, she had a whole series of tweets where it was just like absolutely horrible, derogatory comments about white people, like just mm-hmm. ca- like you know, talking basically saying they're racially inferior and scum of the earth and blah 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 blah. Um, yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, it, I won't necessarily say that that's tolerated necessarily because it does seem that she's getting some heat for it. But nonetheless, it seems like they're definitely, we are in a situation where it's kind of like, you can't say send anything racist unless it's against white people. And you can't <laughs> yeah. say anything about bad about uh, other religions unless it's against Christians. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like there's, there's this double standard that's come up. Yeah. That's true. I think that so-called minorities can get away with a lot more racist talk than white people can. And I I think that's been going on for a very long time. Maybe it's just because white people are the majority. So you give the minorities a little bit of leeway to express their frustrations, uh, even though if it might not even be necessarily because of race that they're frustrated. I mean, there's so many factors that play into uh, disparities in outcome and it's not yeah. just race but yeah yeah you can even play with it yourself a little bit so like I'm Italian and Finnish and English so if I say guinea wap suomi basca and uh, <laughs> what else like uh, colonialist it, I'm, that's totally fine I'm in the clear mm-hmm. I just insulted myself three different ways yeah you and know, I can I say s- nigger nigger <laughs> nigger 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 until the cows right. come home nobody's right. going to say anything yeah you've got the pass <laughs> but if, we, if we swap yeah. phrases we're in trouble Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. true. Well, you more than than <laughs> Tiffany, though I have to say. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> you can call me a guinea all day long. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of funny because it's really apparent in comedy as well. Like black mm-hmm. comets can can basically have their entire shtick about making fun of white people, and it's kind of like, yeah, you know, that's fine. It gets a pass, and you know, I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing, because mm-hmm. you know, some of it's damn funny, but. Um, <laughs> It's it's kind of interesting that you would never see a white comic get up on stage and start making fun of black people. No. I mean, they'd be, you know, booed out of the place. Like it would be <clears throat> considered really bad. Um, it has to. It, it can actually. I will say though, it can be done, but it has to be done extremely artfully. And that's well, there a very was a specific art that some people can do. I don't. There was this journalist. I think she was a journalist or something. And again, came out on Twitter or one of the social medias. She was traveling to Africa and she said something like, oh, I'm going to Africa in a few days. I hope I don't catch AIDS. And then she said, oh, never mind. I'm white. Yes. Yeah. And she, yeah, she and got in whole, trouble for that. She oh, got excoriated. Trouble. Yeah. Before she landed. Before she landed in Africa. Mm-hmm. So she fell asleep on the plane. And when she, when she walked off, her career was done. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Yeah, I think uh, it's 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 a very hypersensitive time because mm-hmm. realistically, anybody should be able to look at that and see it was a joke, and mm-hmm. kind of be like, okay, you know, maybe a little in poor taste, and some people might not have liked it, but honestly, like you know, let's let's be let's be. I mean, I don't know anything about this woman. I mean, maybe she was a racist, but I think more than likely she was just making a joke, and kind of yeah. laughing about racism rather than actually being racist mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah the joke thing is, is kind of missing it's it's really important i think it's very very important it's not just funny i think it's actually critically important to this whole thing is humor um mm. you know and, and levity 
in this situation. It's like <clears throat> happened the other day where I was, so I was with a friend and we were talking about something on the porch. We went back inside and a friend of ours is a woman said, oh, were you guys doing like having a man talk, you know, and uh, laughed and said, yeah, we were just cracking up about the wage gap and everybody laughed because it, you know, <laughs> it was funny. <clears throat> but, you know, of course, in the wrong situation, that would get me in trouble. But I think mm -hmm. that humor is a big, big part of it. And I, I would encourage, uh, at the risk of promoting somebody, something, um, Tom Segura's latest special on Netflix, it's called Disgraceful. He does that artful uh, walking around and talking about racism in his act. And I, I think it's pretty well done. And I, mm -hmm. I've heard him speak outside of his you know, performances about it. And he's, I think, I, generally of kind of the same mind that we are in what we're talking about here. So you can look at his comedy and see how he does it. It's pretty interesting. Um, mm. <clears throat> Tony Hinchcliffe is another one. He's a little skinny white kid, essentially, but he grew up in a black neighborhood in Ohio. And so when he does any kind of race-based race material in his comedy, he starts with, I grew up in a black neighborhood. So suddenly, okay, you got a little more elbow room. Mm -hmm. So there are interesting ways that you can do it. And it's not, when I say it's artful, it's not artful to the point of, I'm going to make fun of black people, so I'm going to use this tactic to do that, and I'm going to be sneaky about it. It's, it's, uh, it's rhetoric. They're doing rhetoric based in humor in an artful way to talk about a topic that nobody, everybody's too scared to talk about. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's what I think is really fascinating with the whole comedy angle. And, uh, you know, I just saw <clears throat> there's a new thing coming out on Netflix that's a, a comedian who I didn't look into it, so I'm not sure if uh, it's... I, a transgendered person or if uh you know what the story is but it has to do with like acceptance and diversity and inclusion the preview of this special but one of the little text phrases that came up was um something about like has comedy gone too far or like is it time to take self-deprecation out of comedy and that's what this person's special is about and i was like no <laughs> no no it's not no we need all that we need all the dirty all the mean everything in the comedy that's what that's makes what, comedy yeah. good yeah and that's what well, keeps free speech floating honestly i think it's true and i think it's funny because there's there's actually been a, a number of uh of different comedians actually talking about this i mean it was kind of big news a, a while back where jerry seinfeld had said that he will no longer play college campuses because mm. the political correctness has just gone too far like it's basically like you know you can't say anything anymore on these on these campuses which is it's kind of crazy i mean when you think about jerry seinfeld he's not exactly edgy right like he's not exactly no, pushing no. boundaries as far as like you know race no. or uh sexuality or any of that kind of stuff his his act is generally pretty pretty clean so yeah. it's kind of kind of crazy that he would be saying that he can't say anything anymore but a lot yeah. of comics have actually been kind of complaining about this it's that you know it's it's kind of like you know people can't take things in the context of jokes anymore it's like everything has to be well i mean i guess it's just that people are so quick to be outraged on anything mm -hmm. that's kind yeah. of like they won't all the nuance is completely gone yeah people yeah, are just too sen super sensitive but one thing that r has always ticked me off because it's so not true People will say, well, I don't see color or I don't see race. Like, yeah. shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I am very I'm well colorblind. aware that Erica sitting across from me is a white woman. <laughs> <laughs> but that, like, there were a couple of articles that we read in preparation for the show. 
and they did some studies where babies are able to classify by race and gender by the time they're three months old hmm. and they yeah. more they remember faces of the race that they come from like familiar races better than they do of faces that are unfamiliar races Huh. So you can't say that babies are racist. <laughs> they see color, they see race. And I think it has to do with their environment. Their primary caregiver yeah. is probably the same race that they are. The family is the same race that they are. They're yeah. in this closed, sheltered environment basically for all of their baby years. So, yes, they're going to be get used to seeing people who look like them and they see somebody who looks differently yeah. it's gonna be something different for them all it's, really well, it's back to what we were talking about in the of, beginning yeah I, I was just gonna say it's kind of like the babies it's, it's just that really these babies have learned to differentiate what's familiar and what's unfamiliar mm -hmm. it's really what it comes down to it's like this looks like mom this does not look like mom yeah end of story yeah. well there was another study i think where they uh you know there's this people say like oh they all look they all look alike to me like asians they all look alike to me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it kind of has i don't know if it's biological or if it's just a matter of you know what you're familiar with but people pay more attention to people who look like them and i guess people who are outside of their group things get a little fuzzier and so they can't readily distinguish between the facial features of people of a different race. It's totally understandable. It's okay with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that applies across the, the board. I, I, I had a, a, a friend when I was in school in, in France who was from Korea, and he said the same thing. He said, white people look all the same to me. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> so different hair color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, should we go to our clip? Yeah. Was, sure. Yeah. Is Larry Elder? Yes. Here we go. Is racism still a major problem in America? President Barack Obama certainly thinks so. He said that racism is in our DNA. Really? If racism is in our DNA, doesn't that mean it's immutable, unchangeable? But America has changed, and dramatically so. In 1960, 60% of Americans said they would never vote for a black president. Almost 50 years later, the black man who said racism is in America's DNA was elected president. And four years later, re-elected. That's only the most obvious example of racial progress. There are many others. Take interracial marriage. As William H. Fry of the Brookings Institution wrote, sociologists have traditionally viewed multiracial marriage as a benchmark for the ultimate stage of assimilation of a particular group into society. Black-white marriages were still illegal in 16 states until 1967, and a 1958 Gallup poll found that only 4% of Americans approved of black-white marriages. Today, that number is 87%. In 1960, of all marriages by blacks, only 1.7% were black-white. Today, it's 12% and rising. Now what about racial profiling and abuse of blacks by police? Doesn't that prove that racism remains a major problem? In the summer of 2014, 
Ferguson, Missouri became ground zero for this accusation when a white policeman shot and killed an unarmed black teenager. While a Department of Justice investigation of the incident cleared the officer of any wrongdoing, it did accuse the city's police department of racial bias. But what was the Justice Department's report's most headline-grabbing stat? The gap between the percentage of blacks living in Ferguson, 67%, and the percentage of those stopped by police for traffic violations who are black, 85%, an 18-point discrepancy. Racism, right? Not so fast. Blacks comprise 25% of New York City, but account for 55% of those stopped for traffic offenses, a 30-point discrepancy, far bigger than that of Ferguson. Why isn't the NYPD, a department that is now majority-minority, considered even more institutionally racist than the Ferguson PD? The answer is you cannot have an honest discussion about police conduct without an honest discussion of black crime. Though blacks are 13% of the population, they commit 50% of the nation's homicides. And almost always the victim is another black person, just as most white homicides are against other whites. In 2012, according to the Center for Disease Control, police killed 123 blacks while, by the way, killing over twice that many whites. But that same year, blacks killed over 6,000 people Again, mostly other blacks. What about traffic stops? Unlike when responding to dispatch calls, police officers exercise more discretion when it comes to traffic stops. Therefore, racist cops can have a field day when it comes to traffic stops, right? Actually, no. The National Institute of Justice is the research agency of the Department of Justice. In 2013, the National Institute of Justice published a study called Race, Trust, and Police Legitimacy. Three out of four black drivers admitted that they were stopped by the police for a legitimate reason. Blacks, compared to whites, were on average more likely to commit speeding and other traffic offenses. The Institute wrote, seatbelt usage is chronically lower among black drivers. If a law enforcement agency aggressively enforces seatbelt violations, police will stop more black drivers. The NIJ's conclusion? These numerical disparities result from differences in offending. In other words, not because of racism. Similarly, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration also found that blacks violate traffic laws at higher rates than whites. In every offense, whether it's driving without a license, not wearing a seat belt, not using a child safety seat, or speeding. Is there still racism in America? Of course there is. But racism is not in America's DNA. Recent history and a lot of research and data prove it. As liberal Harvard sociologist Orlando Patterson said, America is now the least racist white majority society in the world has a better record of legal protections of minorities than any other society, white or black, offers more opportunities to a greater number of black persons than any other society, including all of those of Africa. Patterson, by the way, is black. I'm Larry Elder for Prager University. Well, the statistics are interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you know, and Larry Elder gets a lot of flack, a lot of hate yeah. for 
for this yeah. stuff. Uncle but Tom. Really, what he's yeah. pushing is the numbers. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing because it's really, I think the reason that, like, you know, realistically, if you were under the impression that, you know, America is the most racist country in the world, which, you know, is the kind of thing that gets propagated a lot. And you were confronted with these statistics, you would think people would be like, oh, wow, I was wrong about that. That's actually really good news. That's amazing. But that's not what happens. What happens is people get mad, like Mm -hmm. really mad about that. It's like, how dare you try to expose the truth on this? We're much more comfortable with our narrative. Mm -hmm. It's very strange. Yeah. It's kind of disempowering to strip people of their victimhood. Absolutely. And to point out that a lot of these disparities and like arrests and jail time and that is because of behavioral differences is not because of race and when you bring up behavioral differences to explain differences in uh outcomes between blacks and whites people get really pissed off yeah yeah Yeah. and i think you know maybe it has something like that kind of looming shadow of like eugenics and the Nazis, you know, saying that, well, I mean, I guess it's, it, it kind of, it's almost like people perceive that it's a doorway to allow for racism. Like if mm-hmm. there's a difference in the amount of crime that white people and black people are committing, then that kind of points to like an inherent negative quality of black people. Realistically, it doesn't. There could be any number of explanations for it. It doesn't mean that, that you know, black people are predisposed to be criminals. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that that would be kind of a ridiculous conclusion, actually. But it's kind of like it leaves that doorway open. And it's like people are afraid to go there because it could potentially lead to that kind of perspective. Or just that it makes them feel bad about themselves. <laughs> I think that's where a lot of it comes from. But yeah. if you look at uh, the research done by people like Larry Elder and Thomas Sowell with the left freaking hates those people yeah and, uh, totally black race baiters hate them too because they point out these statistics but thomas Sowell said like back in the segregation days like the early 1900s uh black men actually or black families actually did better why is because the parents were married and they raised their children together it wasn't this glut of single mother homes uh mm. black people were white men represented more of the prison population than black men back then and this was during segregation and it's yeah. gotten a lot allegedly a lot better as far as race but now black people are worse off what's the explanation for that mm. good question and then if you look yeah. at um blacks from the caribbean or blacks from africa they overwhelmingly do better than black americans when it comes to educational attainment or job prospects and things like that so what's the explanation for that you can't say it's because of genetics genetic race but you can say it's because of culture and behavioral differences yeah 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 and it's funny because the the leftists tend to anything that's like you know marked as like a cultural difference Mm -hmm. they say it's blaming the victim they say it's you're taking the easy way out to feel comfortable about the fact that there's institutional racism you know Mm -hmm. it's like there's they they won't accept that response even though it seems like relatively obvious yeah 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 the institutional thing is interesting because i guess 
I mean, I know that there were institutional laws. You know, are there actually any more institutional laws that are based around race solely anymore? Mm. Um, I think what Elder pointed out is interesting in the, the, the progress of it. It does, I guess it feels weird to talk about because uh, <clears throat> um, it's like you said, like it, talking about like it, to certain people, it sounds like we're going, hey, we're not that bad. Hey, you know, um, <laughs> it kind of feels that way. But that's, the, I'm just being honest about how I perceive it based on my programming, you know, but part of it also, uh, I think is, like you said, people are embracing their victimhood. They're afraid mm -hmm. to admit that statistics do show that it's improving. And just like any, call it, hypothetically for a moment, call it a project, call it the fact that we're trying to all get along a project. <clears throat> and in the, in the course of a project, you need to have patience. You do certain steps. You know, there's deliverables. You get that done, you move on to the next thing. Well, here we are at, you know, having a two-term uh, African-American president. We've got all these things that are improving. We're in that process. So, you know, at the risk of being blunt, everybody needs to just chill out and be patient and act normal. <laughs> Stop <laughs> you know, taking offense at everything. Not everybody's yeah. going to know the right thing to say or the right yeah. way to act when they're in a group that is different from their own in-group. So just calm down. Yeah. Stop being such a baby. Or forcing this whole idea of diversity and inclusion. So making it an issue when it's not. Like, you know, I don't know if we've talked about it on the show before, but this the whole education system. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having this focus on, well, we need to focus on multiculturalism. Mm -hmm. And maybe, I mean, I started to see this when 10 years ago when I was teaching and it was like, not realistic because here you're you're teaching these kids about multiculturalism i'll say like a specific type like kwanzaa was an example they wanted to celebrate kwanzaa well the school i worked in didn't have any black children in it it was all um polynesian pacific islander japanese chinese asian right mm -hmm. yeah. and i thought this is so bizarre because this is not really you, here you're trying to like fulfill diversity and inclusion and multiculturalism but it's completely out of context with the demographics of your school mm -hmm. so it just seemed ridiculous really now is that racist of me to say <laughs> would i you know and and i said as much and boy did i get some heat for that you mm -hmm. know what i'm saying and it was just like mm -hmm. at least pick something that these children can relate to kwanzaa they can't relate to they don't know what it is you know what i'm yeah. saying i hardly yeah. even know what it is bs <laughs> 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 made of holiday <laughs> well, that's a really that's a really good point the ability to relate to and understand something mm -hmm. um it just came up <clears throat> the other day uh there's been some articles going around about how people are calling babies babies uh, you know, what are they calling so them? Babies to not you don't, you're not supposed to misgender your baby, so you got to call it a oh baby. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Wait a minute, spell it. I still don't understand what you're saying. Uh, it's just from the article. I don't think anybody is saying T babies in reality. T H E Y. Oh, babies, not baby, baby yeah. like like yeah. babe. Mm. Right. Um, but the idea that uh, and but the, so what bothers me is when. When it when it comes out and it says you can't call babies babies anymore no that's not true um you know baby like, isn't a gendered word no i know i know but what i'm saying is like <laughs> the articles come out like this is now a movement to not misgender babies it's not a movement you know it's a uh. people that are that are effing crazy you know uh yeah 
so they're like we're gonna give our our child uh till they're about you know uh whatever four or five to decide what gender they are and uh here i mean you know sorry i'm sorry you were born to those people i'm really sorry (laughs) (laughs) i think that's only in certain parts of the united states Mm -hmm. i really do i think i don't think that's across the u.s no definitely not here in the south when you try and mention that people are just like what (laughs) are you talking about they have no context Mm -hmm. to even process something like that the point to what you said about relating to and understanding things is how i I heard it brought up was they were talking about well how is this going to be when a child is at uh you know uh, the playground and or wherever they are or they're doing teams or something and they say okay boys over here and girls over here and he goes okay what are you and it's like well uh he looks around you know at everybody else and he looks at himself and says i guess i'm a boy i'm gonna go over there you know but he Mm -hmm. doesn't know yet because he hasn't been told you're supposed to figure out what gender you are but he feels like a boy you know it's like so that i mean you're gonna break a lot of people with that yeah um but i don't think it's going to become widespread i think it's a few progressive nutballs who got a news (laughs) article so but that's in relation to that with race too you know it's all it's about understanding and what you're taught and, and 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 what you know how you develop as a person and how you treat other people i was mm. raised very very white super super white you know what i mean like the the culture around me everything was pure white so um but i was never taught to, to hate anyone i was taught to see people as as valuable people mm. so that you know <clears throat> it didn't i guess just being not being around very many black people when i was growing up didn't change me it didn't make me racist you know um, yeah, well, people think that that's a reason. I don't necessarily think that that's a reason either. Uh, yeah. I think that if you really want to like challenge yourself and I don't know, put yourself in different situations, you can get over. Not necessarily that you were raised racist, but you just want to experience new people and experience mm-hmm. new things. Like, I mm-hmm. think it would be very hard for someone who is very well traveled, been all over the world and hung around with people from different cultures and different races to maintain any kind of racism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the person I mentioned people before, are just people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're not flying to, to, you know, other countries to try new things. <laughs> right. I have an, a funny yeah. little just side note about an interaction with my daughter who is in a college who's learning about a lot of this social justice stuff and as parents it's kind of painful to experience but we were driving through the Navajo Nation in Arizona and we had our grandmother with us and now she's raised in an all-white you know, community. I've never really had much experience with people other than white people. And she kept saying, oh, those little Native Americans, they're so poor. You know, she was just making an observation. And my daughter got really upset and said, Grandma, they're not little Native or little uh, Indians. That's what she called them. Sorry. And so she's they're they're Native Americans. And so for the rest of the drive, you know, we stopped and, you know, looked at jewelry and whatnot. And she s- turned to my daughter and said, the Native Americans make some beautiful jewelry. And it was just very interesting to see the dynamic happen. You know what I mean? And it wasn't, she wasn't being, Grandma wasn't being hurtful in what she was saying. She was just sharing what she had learned. You know what I'm saying? So, 
Yeah. Yeah, you gotta let little stuff like that go. Like uh, in my travel nursing experience, where I go to people's houses and stuff, I'd be sitting around talking to the family, whatever, around the table. And next thing you know, somebody's fingers are in my hair. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what are you doing? Or like I go to somebody's house and we're, you know, talking, whatever, and they bring up some black person they used to know. I know what they're trying to say. They're trying to say, I'm cool. I'm not a racist. It's very good that you're here. I appreciate your yeah. presence. But they don't know how to come right out and say that. So yeah. I could take offense or I could just think it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Mm. And how interesting is that? I mean, you you have, I, at least from what it sounds like, from what you just said, you have an intellectual advantage in that scenario. You're, you're perceiving the whole situation mm -hmm. and you're being gracious and allowing them to experience, to not be uncomfortable because you know they don't want to make it uncomfortable. So yeah. uh, it's so interesting. Yeah. It's all about finding, like, you know, just assessing the situation and determining what, where the, the comment is actually coming from. Right. Yeah. Do this, does this person need to be like? Is are they meaning to be malicious? Like right. in most cases, probably not. Like sticking fingers in hair. Okay, that's like I didn't even <laughs> know that was a thing, but apparently it mm -hmm. is. But I mean, that's that's kind of there's some boundary issues there, I think. But I mean, realistically, well, they're not like it, nobody is trying to be offensive. You know, yeah. they're yeah. not trying to put anybody down. They're not trying to like proclaim their racial superiority or anything like that. So I think, you know, people who are ridiculously hypersensitive to this kind of thing it's kind of a choice honestly yeah. i think that they are choosing to be offended when they don't yeah they don't have to be and it right. distracts from like a real conversation about what the real issues mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. yeah yeah the, the offended thing i mean people really really stand up on on how they perceive themselves right i mean i always thought it was interesting and I'm not trying to be like superior or whatever, but I just always thought it was interesting that people get so offended if anyone else implies that they lied. So I get it. <laughs> truth, you know, truth and, and basis of character is very important. But if you call me a liar, I know I didn't lie. I don't give a shit. Go ahead and call me a liar. It really doesn't. <laughs> it's like, whatever. Okay. I, but if, you know, some people will pull out guns over that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's interesting how people identify and what they take to be a real slight you know, and now it is getting to the point where, you know, uh, I don't know if I say I'm going to go get some pho, you know, like, or, uh, or some pad thai or something like that. Am I racist? Because like, you know, I don't say it properly or, you know, yeah. I love um, Thai food. I yeah. love cultural appropriation. Yeah. So do I. Yeah. It's delicious. Well, there's some like that, Don like the Donald Trump taco thing. Like him saying, I love Mexican food. Like Trump Tower makes the best tacos. <laughs> it's, and I think, I think if everybody just stopped being so edgy for a second, you'd be mm. like, come on, man. It's an old guy, and he doesn't realize that what he's saying is not Mexican food. He's just kind of dumb in that moment. You know, can we just let it go? Like, what, tacos aren't Mexican? Well, no, I mean, it's not, yeah, it, well, it's just like pizzas aren't even really Italian anymore, you know, uh, I, tacos are Mexican, yeah, sure, but I don't think, I'm a foodie, so I guess I don't think of that as Mexican food. <laughs> but, are you kidding? It's my yeah, favorite Mexican food. No, it's, it's great, I, we can get into that another time. <laughs> well, speaking of food, maybe you can share stuff. your recipe with us, John. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
there was this black snowflake at NYU. They had a Black History Month dinner, and they served uh, ribs and collard greens and macaroni and cheese and watermelon, and watermelon juice and Kool-Aid. That <laughs> <laughs> she got Jesus. all bent out of shape and posted this Facebook rant about it. And the black cooks are the one who planned the meal. Oh, okay. That was some good food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what Honestly, else does she like- want for a Black History Month meal? Yeah. It's kind of it's it's that, again it's that kind of thing of like choosing to be offended. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. honestly, there's nothing particularly offensive about that. No. It's just no. like it you know it's it's food that is celebrating uh, Southern Black culture essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's like it, it's like why would you get offended by that? It's I guess yeah. she was thinking that that that's how white people see black people that they all like to eat watermelon and it's racist and blah, 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 blah. And but chicken. Honestly, like, and chicken. <laughs> Everybody like, loves honestly, fried chicken. <laughs> seriously. Yeah, I, like I don't think chicken. I've ever met anybody who doesn't like fried chicken. No. <laughs> and Kool-Aid's I don't good. know. Maybe they just want somebody to pat them on the back and comfort them and make them feel special. They just want to feel special. Yeah. Is it virtue signaling? Yes, I guess. There, thanks for bringing that up. I, yeah, it is. I don't. I mean, it's also a buzz. It's a buzz phrase. So, mm, you know, but it makes sense. I think the term virtue signaling makes sense when you when you look at certain people and what they do and how they yeah. posture. It's like Ben Affleck and and uh, what's his name, the evolutionist, um, Sam Harris. Dawkins. Uh, no, Sam Harris. Remember, they were talking about uh, uh, Islam. And Harris was pointing oh, yeah. out some very salient points about Islam, and Ben Affleck was like, "You're gross. You're just gross. You're just a racist." You know, they're like, "No, you have no idea what you're talking about." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and at that point, and he's on TV, and you've got 30 seconds to say what you're going to try to say. You're done. It's yeah. it's not going to get across. You know, but um, yeah, it's just those associations and that quick. It, it, there's no. There's no meat behind it. There's no study. You know, it's all emotion. It's all subjective. Yeah. Well, yeah, the virtue signaling thing is interesting, actually, because I I read a piece a little while ago that was written by some, you know, leftist, basically, and his complaint was that, you know, virtue signaling is basically like... It's, at this point, it's just like any other kind of schoolyard insult, right? And he, he's got a point. I think that it, it is one of those things that kind of gets overused. But his complaint was that how can anybody express something that is virtue without being accused of virtue signaling? And it's like, you know, he, he was dismissing the whole term and says it's, it's a disgusting term and it should be kind of obliterated or whatever. It should be outlawed. But I was kind of thinking that, like, it it, it kind of does like you can tell when somebody's being authentic about things mm-hmm. and when they're not and it's kind of like this example of the the woman complaining about the food it's like there's no real complaint there like and, and uh, like if we really break it down it's like there really is nothing to complain about there so it is virtue signaling that's what it is yeah. it's like the person yeah. is basically saying i am offended and aren't i great because i was offended by this and uh you know i'm holding up this mantle of breaking down racism and breaking down walls and all this kind of stuff but it's like realistically i don't i don't think it is that it is really just kind of like signaling how great the person is and how yeah, terrible well, virtue, this other person is for being racist 
totally. Virtue signaling, I think, is just uh, arrogance, essentially, pure and simple. Yeah. And it's like self, you know, congratulating behavior. Um, mm -hmm. I do it. I, I do it in other contexts. I go to the store, uh, get, a, you know, two plastic bags or something. And I'm like, I don't need these bags. There's too many bags. Oh, the Pacific Gyre, you know, like. <laughs> and then uh, and then I come home and I notice, I, I catch myself throwing a plastic bag in the trash two days later. <laughs> so... <laughs> So it's totally virtue signaling to let that clerk know that I was cool and I don't use that much plastic. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it happens all over the place. So a lot of times it's by accident. But if you take that moment to reflect on it and say, whoa, I was being kind of cocky and I didn't really mean that. And if I'm going to say that to somebody, I better damn well sure mean, like, make sure that I mean it and that I follow up on it, you know. But then I think if I'm actually living that way and I'm following up on those core values that I have, I'm not going to be strutting around town telling everybody how great I am. Yeah, I think that's like one of the main points is that the, why why the need to tell everybody. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, people who like drive Priuses and then they, <laughs> when they're nowhere near their car or anything, they bring up that they own a Prius. <laughs> it's like, well, good for you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very interesting what's going on right now. Um, I mean, I hope it doesn't get uh, worse, but I, I think that it will. Um, but, you know, in this in this arena, so usually when we talk about, like, you know, diet and, and the, the destruction of, like, the Western diet and the all the processed food and the pollution and all that really depressing stuff, it feels like you're just, in a, you're just underwater. You know, there's, like, nothing you can do about it except for yourself and maybe your family, you know. Um, in this case, I think it's a little different. I think I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think that there is actually a significant resistance against the policing of language right now. Mm -hmm. But it's not very popular yet, but it's, and it's not, it needs to come out and be understood that it is not racist people that are doing that. You know what I mean? Like <clears throat> that percept, I think at the core, that perception of say Jordan Peterson as an alt-right Nazi man it, and that needs to be people need to understand what he's saying even if they don't agree with him so it's fine say that you don't agree with him but don't lie and don't call him what he's not you know mm -hmm. um and i think that that <clears throat> needs to be weeded out and then when we reach that point we can actually have a discussion about it but that is tenuous as to whether or not that will yet actually manifest but there is um and again i brought up comedy in the world of comedy there's a backlash against this going on right now you know people are losing jobs, losing shows, losing contracts over things they say and coming back and being like, hey, free speech, man, you know, <laughs> look at my life, look at what I do and what how I live, you know, and what I say, these are jokes, you know. Yeah, so I wonder if Roseanne will ever make a comeback. I don't know. Yeah, yeah don't know. That. it's hard to say. Yeah. yeah. Rogan apparently is going to have her on at some point, and it would be very interesting to hear her yeah. side of the story on all that. It would, yeah. So, you know, but then uh, I think just big to like a reasoned look at the whole thing too, like um, there's all manner of, of spectrum of different types of people and who they hate and who they don't hate, you know, mm -hmm. and how they live and who they want to hurt or who they want to love. And it, there is so different. What do we have close to 8 billion people now? It's, you can't even fathom that. You can't even think about the permutations of, of character that happen in 8 billion people, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, so trying to homogenize everything, it's just going to be completely futile. Yeah. And it's not even possible. 
Yeah. <laughs> How could you even go about doing something like that? They're gonna try. But at any rate, racism yeah. can take some ugly forms. It can be somewhat benign. It can often be funny. I, <laughs> I defend everyone's right to say what they want to say. I would never want us to get to a point where people couldn't say anything about race or about anything. What about the N-word? Whatever. Oh, say it. <laughs> okay. I don't care. Just say it. Say it there, was, there was an incident a little while ago where the, the girl was brought up on stage to rap. I can't remember oh, that. Yeah. It's a terrible story because I can't remember the rapper's name. Was it but anyway, Cardi he brought B? her up on stage. Sorry? Was it Cardi B? Does that ring a bell? Anyway, never mind. Know. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, no. But anyway, they just they, they kind of they were bringing people up on stage to 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 do the lyrics to their song to like to to rap. And um, this girl was brought up on stage and she was just saying, you know, the lines as they were in the song and was dropping the n bombs which were in the song. Mm-hmm. And she ended up getting booed off stage. Like people How were really be upset for that? about that. Yeah. I agree. I totally. They agree. put it it's in like, the song. Yeah, they totally set her up too. I mean, honestly, yeah. you bring a white girl up on stage and you're going to get mad at her for that? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. she probably wasn't even conscious of the fact that she was saying it. She was just saying the lines from the song. Yeah, it was pretty. Uh, yeah, yeah, if you I don't want white people to say nigger, then don't put it in your lyrics. <laughs> it's as yeah. simple as right. that. <laughs> sure. Very true. Sure. Yeah, it's kind of like there's this inherent policing of language that's going on already like even before this whole sjw explosion it seems like that was that was something that has been around for a long time it's like i remember mm-hmm. guns and roses used the word in one of their songs and um yeah got got confronted about it got a lot of uh flack for it and you know axel rose was basically like well i hear black people use it all the time why can't i use it <laughs> and, you know, I think, I, honestly, I think he was coming from a rather innocent place, too, where he was kind of like, yeah. why? What's the big deal? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's an incredibly, uh, pardon the pun, but a diverse situation. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, but it really is. Uh, there's a lot of facets. Um, I think the point is just be kind. I mean, that's that's where I get. I get so frustrated with this. It's like, and... Uh, Pardon my French, we, we drop the F-bomb on this show once in a while, but <clears throat> I have to say, like, when people start talking like that, I want to say, shut the fuck up and just be kind. Just be mm-hmm. a kind person. Are you or are you not? If you're not, then I don't want to hang out. If you are, then we can hang out. And that's it. That's it. What are you interested in? What do you like? You know, let's talk about that. Let's go somewhere else. It, it really, really gets under my skin because it's, it's a, um, it in and of itself is an insult of my character. You know, mm-hmm. and now if I, if you want to look for things to be offended, I'll go ahead and be offended about that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's really frustrating because it, <clears throat> I think it, it is too. It's the it's the reversal of that very dynamic. Now you're judging me. You don't like mm-hmm. being judged. I don't like it either. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, I mean, it. I'm feeling kind of hot right now, but that. Uh, <laughs> it's really frustrating, uh, and I think. I think the best that we can do kind of in our personal lives is uh, not get aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, but be firm. But also just em- employ that compassion. When you see somebody, don't judge them. <clears throat> you know, if somebody's dirty, 
they have some dirt under their fingernails or maybe their shirt is torn you know or their shoes are untied or whatever they're old that kind of thing just don't judge people just live that way you know talk see see a human being with experiences and stories that you probably benefit from if you talk to them for a little while mm-hmm. and if people can embrace that they can forget whether they're black or you know or age or not not even forget you know just not care that's mm-hmm. not it like it, it, sure i see it but i don't care it's not defining the relationship yeah <clears throat> yeah, like Martin Luther King said, judge people based on the content of their character. For me, there's nothing more condescending than just being judged by your appearance, even if it's from a fellow black person. Like there was this woman I used to work with, and she was kind of racist in my opinion. But I could tell that she just liked me, in quotes, just because I was black, because I thought she was kind of a jerk. And I don't want to have anything to do with her. <laughs> but she kept talking, like, why are you talking to me? I'm not your friend just because we're both black. Like, I met a lot of really cool white people I would rather hang out with than you. <laughs> she must have been really offended. <laughs> well, I mean, I imagine we could just keep ranting for a while, hey? So, we, I, I'm, I'm just going to be completely honest about this and try not to dance around it. We have a health and, or a, a pet health segment today uh, <laughs> <laughs> that happens to be, I stress, happens to be about raccoons. I thought it was so, about coons. Oh, <laughs> we weren't going to say it. Like how fitting for this show to end with a it pet is. health segment about coons. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm sure we're going to get about five to ten lawsuits off of this one, but uh, no, I'm kidding. Make I that kid. disclosure. I kid, I kid. <laughs> it does seem a little funny, though. Anyway, I did just want to uh, whatever disclaimer of that. But Zoya has prepared a, a great segment for us, so let's go to that, and then we'll wrap up when we come back. All right, folks, technical difficulties. Hang on one second. (laughs) (laughs) We lost the clip. It happens sometimes. We want to talk about in the meantime. Oh, Doug disappeared. He had the clip, so I'm sure he'll be back. I'm working on it here. Oh, there he is. Yeah, we're here, Doug. Sorry, listeners. Hello. Trying to figure this out. Sorry. I got you. Oh, no, it's no problem. You guys hear me? Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. Sorry, my connection went down for a second there. Sure. Are we going to the pet health? We segment? Uh, we're going to the pet health segment. We <laughs> yeah. just realized that nobody had it queued up, so. Uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> no, because right it was me. I was supposed to do it, and I got cut. Oh. <laughs> okay. Here we go. All right. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the pet health segment of the Health and Wally Show. This week's topic is raccoons. And raccoons are animals that you either love or hate, right? Well, personally, I love them very much. They're so cute. 
But then I didn't have the chance to clean the mess they leave after themselves after their visit to the backyard dumpster. In any case, here are some facts about these tricksy animals. Enjoy! While Rocket Raccoon from Guardians of the Galaxy can talk, shoot, and get hammered, real-life raccoons surprisingly have actual superpowers. Hi, I'm Danielle Dufault and you're watching Animal Logic. For most living in the city, raccoons are the most common form of wildlife that you'll see. In Toronto, estimates are that there are over a hundred raccoons per square kilometer. In some parts of Washington, D.C., the estimates are over 300 per square kilometer. Now, despite being native to North America, they have accidentally spread worldwide, taking a special liking to Germany and Japan. So what makes raccoons so well suited to the urban lifestyle? Raccoons evolved to eat just about anything. They are omnivores, just like humans. This allows them to find foods in lots of places and means that they have a brain that's capable of figuring out what is and isn't edible. Fresh crab, clams, insects, bird eggs, berries, pizza, Chinese takeout, bring it on! Although raccoons don't have the abilities that Rocket has, they do have their own version of superpowers when it comes to finding food in the dark. Raccoons are primarily nocturnal, coming out at night to find food. And while they can't see at night like cats can, they can, however, see things in the dark by feeling it with their hands. You can almost liken it to the way dolphins see things with sonar or dogs can smell with their noses. Although they don't have opposable thumbs like primates do, their paws, unlike cats and dogs, have no webbing in between their digits so they can grasp things with surprising dexterity. Enough dexterity to grab a coin out of your pocket or probably even fire a gun. When they grasp an object, they can tell, just by touch, what the object is and whether it can be eaten or not. Add the fact that they can rotate their head 180 degrees and climb down trees head first, and you have a pretty mean superhero. Their favorite source of food is a trash can, and trash can manufacturers need to take into account the raccoon issue when designing cans. While many bins are raccoon-proof at the start, eventually the mass bandits figure them out. Urban raccoons, being one of the few animals able to survive in the city, have very few natural predators. In fact, a raccoon is more likely to be killed by a car than anything else. This is why you'll notice that raccoons could care less if you chase them off your porch with a broom. Back in the early 1900s, scientists were interested in testing the intelligence of a lot of different animals, including raccoons. One Walter Hunter set up memory tests to see if different animals could remember where they had seen food hidden. Sort of like, let's make a deal. Showing them food hidden behind one of three closed doors. After delay, the animal was allowed to choose one door. Hunter found that dogs and rats could choose the correct door, but only if they were allowed to stay focused on the door during the delay. Raccoons and human kids, on the other hand, could remember the correct door even if they were distracted during the delay. This finding was backed up by several studies at the time, which all suggested that raccoons were pretty smart. Smarter than cats and almost as smart as monkeys. Raccoon babies, kits, are born in the spring and are ridiculously cute, which leads some people to adopt them and bring them into their homes. Even President Coolidge kept one named Rebecca. This is a bad idea on so many levels. First, raccoons, no matter how cute, carry a large number of nasty parasites and worms, especially in their foul-smelling black poop. Second, those adorable kits grow up really fast, and in a few short months, they will be the equivalent of an evil toddler intent on destroying all your worldly possessions. Raccoons are smart enough to be easily trained, but too wild to be contained. Just like Rocket, 
Raccoons have no moral sense, and, unlike dogs, they don't show any guilt or remorse after they've pooped on your expensive rug. So word to the wise, leave baby raccoons outside, where they belong. So what animal should I check out next? Let me know in the comments, and subscribe to Animal Logic for new episodes every week. So instead of bringing baby raccoons into your home, check them out on City Wildlife Rescue. It's a much better way to appreciate their cuteness. I'll put a link in the description. Make sure you go check them out and donate if you can. Thanks for watching! That was very Those fascinating. Are some non-racist goats. They are <laughs> non-racist. I feel super uncomfortable, guys. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh, because it was just like I was cracking jokes in my head the whole time about like just the references, just stupid, just stupid. See, that's <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. There's like if somebody wants to dig into that and say we just made a dog whistle to white supremacists, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't. I don't care. That's a perfect example of what we're talking about. You can do that. You, we, I guess we just gave you a very poignant example of how you could call us racist if you really wanted to. If you wanted to try <laughs> and frame it that way, you can dig in. You can relate things, you know, in certain ways. Yeah, if you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to be digging pretty hard. That's what I'm saying. You have to want to find it. Yeah, they do. Totally. They do dig hard. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super hard. That, um, <laughs> I guess I'm just being honest where I'm like, then those thoughts go through my head. I'm like, oh, am I, am I being an asshole right now? <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, man. Well, we're not at the stage of thought police yet, so. Right. I, th I think you're okay. <laughs> man. All right. Well, that being said, I think uh, what we talked about stands, you know, try to be kind to people. Uh, go ahead. Be excellent to each other. Exactly. Amen. Advice from Bill and Ted. And awesome. if you're racist, or, then be a racist. <laughs> or, <laughs> or not. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say you do you. That's the end of our show. You do you. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We had a good chat today. Uh, mm -hmm. The chat room was busy, so appreciate everybody participating. Um, be sure to check the other two SOT radio shows uh, on Saturday and Sunday. Go to radio.sot.net for your local airtime there. Uh, and we'll be back next week with a new topic. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye, Bye. everybody. Bye.